0: to my story, it's a story about my Jesus, See him by the seaside, talking with the fishermen, and making them disciples. And through Jerusalem Amen. waving palm branches. crucified him, but he rose
1: Amen. Kim, choir, thank you so much for beginning our Easter Sunday morning in such a wonderful way. Thank you so much for being here today. If you have not filled out one of our guest cards, and this is the very first time you've been here, we'd love for you to take the opportunity and the few in front of you, just take that, fill it out, drop it in one of our offering boxes. When you leave, we would certainly appreciate that. It has been a great Holy Week. Our services this week and each of the speakers just been marvelous as we have taken on The idea of remembrance remembrance of the passion of christ and today we celebrate resurrection sunday if you would join me in a time of prayer and we will continue our time of worship and celebration celebrating the most important event in all of history father thank you for the day that you've given us for this is the day that you have made it is a celebration day in every aspect of the word father as we strive in a humble and yet meager way to try to communicate to you in worship how much we love you and how much we appreciate what you have done for us through your son Jesus Christ. It is hard for our finite minds to even put our arms around what has happened. But we know this that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. And Lord, we celebrate that resurrection today. As I said often, the resurrection shows us that he is not just a dead martyr, but a living Savior. And I pray today that as we worship the living Savior, that he is living in our hearts. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
2: he is risen indeed let's stand together as we proclaim that truth continue to sing I serve a risen Savior he lives he lives
3: He is, risen. He is risen and he lives in my heart as well as yours pray with me please holy father we are so grateful we are thankful that you are our Savior that you are our Lord of all creation and that you have brought us to this point where we celebrate your greatest gift to us your son Jesus Christ was sent to to earth he chose to come he chose to sacrifice himself on the cross of Calvary so we celebrate the darkness of the cross on Friday that brings us to the light of Sunday resurrection thank you Lord for allowing us to worship you to entertain that we are thankful for every single thing we have you put us on this earth to be thankful and we're thankful for your son thankful for your Holy Spirit thankful for your word thankful for your music thankful for your church and thankful for your prayer warriors thank you thank you lord for you have risen for us in jesus name i pray amen
2: christ arose that beautiful easter hymn would you stand again as we sing so we're still with.
4: Good morning. morning. Our scripture reading on this Resurrection Sunday is from Ecclesiastes chapter three, verse four, and the book of John chapter 20, verse one through 18. Ecclesiastes three, four, a time to weep and a time to lie a time to mourn and a time to dance. The book of John, chapter 20, verse one through 18. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand the scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying, as she wept, she bent to look into the tomb, and saw two angels, one in white, seating where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, "Woman, why are you crying?" "They have taken my Lord away," she said, "and I don't know where they have put him." At this She turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener? She said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. So she turned toward him and, he said, Mary, she turned and cried out in Aramaic, Aram, "Rabani," which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my Father and your Father to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord and he told me everything that he has said to me. This is the word of
1: thank you so much we come to a place when we talk about the resurrection that sometimes we just get overjoyed more than usual sometimes we tend to take it for granted we believe it we've read it through the years We know it in our hearts, but sometimes it just doesn't do what it's supposed to do for us. You can't hear that song and the songs that you have sung today and not feel an understanding of the power of the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. My dad in 1981 uh, took me on a journey uh, it was about two years, a little over two years before he passed, and um, I think he just wanted me to, uh, to look at all the places that uh, they traveled until they got to the place in uh, western New Mexico, a place just outside of pie town, New Mexico, where he and his family homesteaded. He was seven years old when they went to that place, and I think they went back and forth to Texas like three times. He wanted me to know what it, all those stops were, where the old roads were, where they used to camp out, first time over in a wagon, a second old Model T truck. <laughs> we found the, uh, the old cabin and the, the dugout, the cellar that they had to put all their food. It was hard to find. But somehow, after all those years, he, had, uh, he, he figured out where it was, out in the middle of nowhere. Kind of tall hills, small mountains all around. And so he and I just began just kind of talk, walking all over that place. I took a, a journey up kind of on the top of, of a hill behind that old little log cabin, as I was walking across the way, I, I found something kind of shiny. So I picked it up. And I found my dad a little bit later, and I said, Dad, I found this on top of, uh, of the hill over here, probably about 100 yards from, from you know, the, the cabin. And he looked at that and he started tearing up. I found this belt buckle. He told me, he said, son, when I was 14 years old, I lost that belt buckle. (laughs) Fifty years later, 1981, when he was 64, he was reunited. He made it all pretty... (laughs) Made out of some kind of silver. Put a put some uh, turquoise in there. More than anything, he was reunited with something that was precious to him. That he thought he would lost forever. I don't. I can't tell you how many times he probably searched everywhere to find that belt buckle, buckle because you know what? In that day, in homesteading, belt buckles you couldn't find those very very well. Mm. To lose something. Makes us sad. To lose something, sometimes it causes us to mourn, to shed tears. Ecclesiastes says it well. There's a time to weep and a time to mourn, verse 4 says. And I think that it fits perfectly with what Jesus went through on Thursday night, on Friday, on Saturday, and on Sunday morning. Because for his disciples, as they were eating the Passover meal and he instituted the Lord's Supper, the New Covenant, they were not thinking at all about what was ahead they just didn't comprehend they they didn't connect the dots so for them they were celebrating passover they didn't really know (coughs) when jesus instituted the lord's supper the significance at that moment other than it was important to jesus so it's going to be important to us and then when they walked across the kidron valley up to the mount of olives And they settled in, and Jesus went a, a distance away and began to pray And three times. <coughs> three times he came back to his disciples, particularly his inner core, Peter, James, and John, and said, Won't you, won't you pray with me? Won't you stay awake? You see, Jesus knew what was ahead. The disciples didn't know they were exhausted. It was an emotional week that week coming in to Jerusalem on that What we would call today as Palm Sunday all the different events that took place around the temple But just in their future just in the very near future there was going to be a time of mourning There was going to be a time of weeping on behalf of the disciples. Even Jesus on the Mount of Olives struggled because he knew what was needing to happen. He said, Lord, if there's, if there's any way for this cup to pass, then I, I pray that you would let it. But there was no way. Now, there was no way at all because before creation was ever spoken into existence by the creator God, he already had in mind the plan to bring salvation to humanity that had not even been created, who he knew when they gave, he gave free will that they would choose to disobey him. And so he had a plan. And Jesus volunteered for that plan. And so Jesus prayed, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. And at that moment, with his disciples he said it's time to get up and here came the mob with the religious leaders and with Judas and with a simple kiss on the cheek have you ever had somebody kiss you on the cheek that you knew that they had stabbed you in the back Did that ever happen to you oh I've had that happen to me it is profound when you know that has happened But for Jesus, he had already told Judas, do what you need to do. The mob took Jesus. Peter tried to stand up. Jesus said, put your sword away. And Jesus was taken. The disciples dispersed. You can only imagine their bewilderment, their confusion. Peter began to follow, began to see what was going on. Jesus, when he was arrested, taken to the high priest, ultimately taken to Pilate. Here we find Jesus, after his arrest, was struck in the face numerous times. He was spat on, he was mocked, and he was ridiculed. To try to move the crowd on, Pilate had him scourged. Tied to a post, leather strips, metal pieces at the end, some animal bone attached so that as Those leather pieces would come down over his shoulders all the way to his legs. It would literally bruise and cut into the skin to make strips of wounds with blood seeping. They put a crown of thorns on his head. They put a stick for a scepter in his hand. And then they put a purple robe on his back. And they ridiculed him. The soldiers ridiculed him. You're the king of the Jews. And they would blindfold him and hit him. They'd say, who struck you? Who hit you? Who beat you? As we remember this scene, it brings to our heart that it's a time to weep and a time to mourn. You know how cloth and blood could kind of stick together and so when they ripped that purple robe off his back you can only imagine the excruciating pain and then they gave him the crossbar already with the blood loss from his beatings, having no fluid now, nothing to eat for, some scholars say, 15 hours. There was not much strength left, but they gave him that cross bar to carry on what has been dubbed as the Via Della Rosa, to the place of Calvary. Some say, well, he must have been a weak man if he couldn't carry that all the way, and they had to get Simon of Serene to pick him up. But I want to remind you that Jesus was a carpenter. He worked with his hands. He wielded pieces of wood. He was not a weak man. But he was a man whose body was beaten to a pulp. And with the blood loss and the fluid loss and the dehydration, he had no strength. They got him to the place called Calvary. There they would offer those who were to be crucified this uh, wine mixed with myrrh. It's kind of a mild mixture that deadens the pain. And Jesus refused. They took his wrist and put it on that crossbar with the post already standing. They didn't put the nails in his hand as such because it would easily tear through during the time of the crucifixion. And so they put it in the wrist, each wrist. In fact, it was so much so that Medical doctors say that his arms actually were extended six to nine inches farther than normal by the time he was crucified. Then they put the nails in his feet. Those nails were seven to nine inches long. The knees were bent provide for the ability for them to go up and down on the cross why because most people on the cross at calvary they died from asphyxiation they were able to bring air into the ox into the lungs but they were not able while being crucified to exhale so they would have to put all the pressure on the feet to lift up to exhale and then back down you can imagine through these six hours from nine in the morning until three in the afternoon up and down up and down on that cross with his back already in shreds Let me tell you, if I got a splinter in my finger, it drives me crazy. Can you imagine the pain? Carbon dioxide begins to build up, and so it causes a person being crucified to uh, spasmodically push themselves up again to exhale. The cramping would start, The muscle would tear. The chamber above the heart began to fill that cavity with fluid, blood, some water. The fluid loss to the tissue reaches a critical point as we move on into the hours of the crucifixion. The compressed heart struggles to breathe, to pump that heavy, thick, sluggish blood into the tissues. The tortured lungs frantically try to grasp for air. The tissues are dehydrated. This... Is the description of a time the brutal crucifixion of Jesus that would cause his disciples the women that followed him who were at the cross those in the distance even the scripture says those in the crowd to weep and to mourn It was during these hours, at very specific times, that Jesus spoke from the cross. In the way I've described it, there was very little breath to be able to say anything, and so his words were short, but they were meaningful. When everything first began, Jesus said about the soldiers, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. His focus was on those who were crucifying him. The two that were being crucified with him, hurling abuses at him, yet one, as the time went on and life began to be taken from him, he realized there is something different. And he said, Lord, when you come into your kingdom, remember me. And Jesus said, today, you will be with me in paradise. His concern for the soldiers, for those that were being crucified on the other side. And then he sees his mother. His mother standing at the foot of the cross, tears flowing beside herself. And he looked at John who was standing beside and said, Behold your mother. And looking at his mother, he said, Behold your son. Here Jesus, in the midst of the brutality of the crucifixion, with the words to say, I'm going to take care of you, that should say something very dear to each one of us he is going to take care of each one of us he takes care of the details in all of our lives I'm describing the physical agony and what is being said there's a whole different scene going on spiritually there is a spiritual battle that is being raged that we cannot see the humanity All of the sin of humanity is being laid upon Jesus. It is black, it is dark, it is terrible. Worse than any evil you can imagine because it's all of it together coming upon him. To the point where he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? They had never been separated. You know Jesus, with the midst, in the midst of of evil, like you and I have never experienced. I'm sure we will never experience anything like this. No one will ever, for all in eternity, except for Jesus. But have the Creator, in that short time, being separated. Jesus was the sacrifice reflecting back in the Old Testament sacrificial system of the Day of Atonement, where every year they would sacrifice to pay for the sins of Israel. But here, it's once and for all. The Lamb without spot or blemish, he is paying for our sins. In the midst of this, with the dehydration in the body, as life begins to to be taken from him. He's dehydrated. He says, I thirst. He's taking care of the people around him. And he's taking care of all of us to pay for our sins. And now the physical, the physical pain shows itself. In this manifestation of thirst. We come to the sixth saying where he says, it is finished. In other words, the sacrifice has been made. The debt has been paid. The war's over. Oh, there are a lot of battles to be faced. But he has paid for the sins of humanity. And let's put it more specifically, he paid for my sins, mine. When it was not deserved, when I should not have had the opportunity, his unconditional love, his complete commitment paid for those. And he comes now to the place where he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, and he died. It tells us that all through this time, Jesus always was focused upon his commitment to his Father. I and the Father are one. I do nothing except that which the Father has commanded me. And he's accomplished that. That brief time where there was this sense of separation, all of a sudden changes to this time of being together again. For the disciples and all of those around, when Jesus breathed his last, it had to be a time of mourning, a time of of grieving, a time of weeping. They just didn't understand. There's a great old hymn There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunge beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. Lose all their guilty stains? Yes, lose all their guilty stains. And sinners plunge beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. That's you and me. If we will take on the understanding of Christ's death for our sins if we will believe upon him only for our salvation he will wipe our sins away he will eradicate them as far as the East is from the West as far as the as the ocean goes down he will remember it no more that's what Jesus did and while the disciples didn't understand it at the time let me tell you it was a time to weep and to mourn those breathless words of Jesus with very little air, they are significant because it tells the story of the unseen that is happening that we can understand. Let me tell you, not only did the writer of Ecclesiastes say that there was a time to mourn and there is a time to weep, but He also wrote that there is a time to laugh and there is a time to dance. Frankly, I've never danced a step in my life. But I'll tell you what, if it's ever a time I'm thinking I might do that, it might be Easter Sunday morning, not today. (laughs) Why such excitement? I believe because we see in this passage The hopes of the disciples, they're they're dashed. They don't know what to do. That that day, between Friday and Sunday, it was a day of mourning. They they were confused. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know which direction to go. Their leader for the last three and a half years was gone. And they they felt like they were not prepared. And yet, Jesus spent that entire time trying to prepare them. Let me tell you the disciples when they came face to face with the realization of the resurrection they still didn't quite know what to do with it but they knew this that Jesus was alive so there is a time to laugh and a time to dance that time is when you see the empty tomb of Jesus Mary and some of the other ladies they came to the tomb early in the morning They were going to take care of his body, which was customary. They get to the tomb, trying to figure out who's gonna roll that stone away, and guess what? It's already rolled away. They were not sure what had taken place. The angel says, why, ladies, why do you seek the living among the dead? Well, isn't that a strange question in a cemetery? From the angel's perspective, why are you here? He told you time and time and time again that he had to die, he had to be in the ground for three days, and then he would resurrect. They just never made the connection. The greatest time to laugh is to say he's not dead, he is alive. Wow! Well, there he went to go and tell the disciples, I tell you what, John and Peter were the first ones out the door. I really connect probably a lot in this area with Peter because as they were running, the Bible says Peter was out the door first, but John passed him. Pretty much my, uh, my track and field. <laughs> but John got to the entrance of the tomb and he didn't go in. He just looked in and he saw the, the strips of linen. Peter barged right in, checking and see every, what, what, what was going on. And guess what? They didn't find Jesus there. What they did find was that that which was covering his head was folded and set aside. didn't know what to do. Peter was very uncertain. The Bible says that John believed. He didn't understand it, from what the scripture says, understand all the details of it, but he believed that Jesus was alive. Scripture tells us that Mary spoke to the gardener. Say, wait, if you've taken him somewhere, if you would just tell me. Because I, I will go and I will get him. That's just like a lady, the nurturing aspect. I'll take care of the details. If you just tell me what's going on, I will do what I can. And then Jesus spoke, Mary. Immediately the scripture says that she knew it was Jesus. Didn't recognize him before. Now, her heart is full she she is so excited she comes down to the ground and then she went back and she told the disciples i have seen the lord wow i'm telling you what that should have been a time for for laughing in reality, in this focus of the empty tomb, they were still confused, except for Mary. John believed, but he didn't know all the details. It's more analytical. The disciples, the women, I think this tells us they had no expectation that Jesus was going to be alive. They were going to with spices to take care of the body. Somehow, it did not register. All the times that Jesus said that I must die and then I will be raised up. There's no way in their mind, there's no evidence in any direction that they had come to steal the body as the chief priests felt that that's what would happen. There was a seal on the tomb and there were soldiers standing guard. There was no one that stole the body. An eyewitness account that I think is significant by John said that the headband was folded and placed by itself. He says, That's what I saw. Folded, taking the time to put something in order. The Apostle Paul referenced the empty tomb in 1 Corinthians when he said that he was buried and he was raised from the dead. The empty tomb is just that, it's empty. It's empty completely 100 percent. Jesus is not there, he is alive. Let's talk about the resurrected Christ because that's the exciting thing that happens if he's alive, what did he do from that point for the next 40 days? He showed himself to Mary, the Mary, the mother of James, Salome, Joanna. He appeared to the two going to Emmaus. He appeared to the disciples, <laughs> it materialized through a door. A week later, he comes back and he materializes through the door again. This time, Thomas is there. Thomas says, my Lord and my God, he believed. appeared into Galilee and on the shore of Galilee as John talks about he appeared to his disciples he gave them very specific instructions and commands he appeared to more than 500 believers in Galilee when he gave the great commission and then at his ascension they all looked into the sky so much so that the angel in the first chapter of Acts says why are you looking in the sky this same Jesus who is going from you will come again but let me tell you you be about his business that should be a time to laugh a time to dance I think it's interesting concerning Jesus' resurrection. It's profound with answers that I don't know how to describe, really. His body, in general, seemed to be the same. He had flesh, he had bones, he had nail prints. And he had a a mark where a spear went in. And yet, he could walk through shut doors. He could slip out of a tomb. He could walk and talk with his disciples. He even appeared to the Apostle Paul as a bright light as he brought him to an understanding that he was the Messiah. And that same Jesus, who during the time of mourning and weeping went through so much physically and spiritually to pay for the sins of humanity, on the third day was raised up. And he continued to interact with his disciples. And to this very day, he continues to interact in your life. The question always comes back, are we living the life that he desires us to live? Jesus said, because I live, you will live also. So this ought to be a time for us to laugh and for us to dance and for us to go and to go and share the resurrected Jesus Christ. And I'm wondering this morning, would you be willing, would you choose to do that? Because as the angel said so long ago, he is not here, he is alive. And when we say that he is alive, that doesn't mean 2,000 years ago. It doesn't mean... That he's going to walk through this door it means he's going to transform our hearts not just our minds it's not just a belief that is cognitive that i think yes jesus i i I think he's a real person i think he's really alive the question is, is he alive in your heart and in your life and are you showing And our invitation this morning, I ask you first, if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, please consider all the evidence of his sacrificial death and his resurrection. and Ask him to come into your life and your heart because you will be changed forever. Secondly, as a believer in Jesus Christ, ask him, Lord, are you living in my life and through my life to the fullest extent or is there more that you want to be the Lord of in my life and where you're sitting right now or if you want to make a decision public this is the time to say Lord I recommit myself to you on this Easter Sunday 2022 today I choose to commit myself 25 years ago today my first Easter pastoring in the Seattle area I'll never forget this uh, Boeing project engineer opened the door for me when I walked into the church and he said Christ is risen and he said Christ is risen indeed many of us say Christ is risen I wonder if your life would say Christ is risen indeed with an exclamation mark meaning in my life fully father as we come to our time of invitation our prayer is very simple help us to listen to you and whatever you tell us to do today to Give our lives to you to rededicate our lives to be a part of this fellowship by joining. Whatever decision, God, we ask you to make that decision and for us to make that decision through the power of your Spirit. In Jesus' name, we pray. Let's stand and sing our invitation. Jesus,
5: and Lord of my life, I hold my glory. I pay, tribute and praises I joyfully bring, to him the life, the way, Jesus is Lord of all, Jesus is Lord of all, Lord of my thoughts and my service each day.
1: I want you to be seated for just a moment, if you would. Well, I'm about to turn it over to, to Miss Nancy. I just want to wish you a wonderful Resurrection Sunday. The power of the Lord Jesus Christ continuing to be in our midst as we go out. I didn't talk about this sermon illustration before, but my grandkids are back in the cry room. We, we, we talk about it as a cry room for a reason. <laughs> because I could hear today was a day for crying and weeping <laughs> and a day of laughing. So I hope they didn't disturb you, but I am excited that they were here. Anyway, Ms. Nancy.
2: There's a sign-up sheet in both lobbies for you to indicate if you would like to be part of the movie Lunch, which would be a week from Thursday. You'll see on the back of the bulletin the title of the movie on the 28th of April, Thursday. The movie is at 1 o'clock, God's Not Dead, We the People. But if you would like to come for a $5 lunch, we do need you to sign up on one of the sign-ups. Our Annie Armstrong Easter offering emphasis continues. They are still offering envelopes in the pew racks in front of you. Notice on the back, we're getting very close to our church goal of thirteen thousand four hundred and twelve dollars as of the time this was printed we had received $1,708. so we're getting close if you have not had opportunity to give you will want to do that also just one thing for april we continue to collect food items that go to st mary's food bank and peanut butter and jelly those are the two food items for the month of april (coughs) church council and those of you who are chairpersons, our leaders of our different teams, different uh, committees and councils that will be taking place on nine o'clock on Tuesday. I encourage you to stand as we have our closing prayer. My husband, Reverend David Jakes, will be coming to lead us, and I too wish for you a wonderful Resurrection Sunday. Thank you.
6: Would you join me in prayer? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this Resurrection Day. We thank you for the opportunity we've had to be in your house. I don't know about anybody else, but I know you spoke to me today through the music, the signing of Rise Again, the message that we've heard And Father, I thank you for speaking to me and to remind all of us that Christ is alive. He's risen, and it's our duty as a believer to share with the world that Christ is truly alive, and so I just pray that we'll Take this day to heart, and as we have an opportunity, that will point somebody to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. <coughs>